Today we're going to be in Psalm 107, so you can start moving that way. Um, as we said in video announcements, we are on version. We're, we're excited to share God's word with you today, and we're in the season of Lent. And as you saw, hey, Easter is coming. We're going to have three Easter services, Saturday night and our two Sunday services, and what a wonderful celebration that will be. Now, I'm no music expert, okay? I'm not like one of those guys who can tell you all about who was good in what decade, but I have my stuff I like. I have my stuff I like, and, and it's not always the same stuff my wife likes. I mean, I married a musician, but I discovered after I married her that evidently a lot of the musicians that I like have something in common. And what they have in common is they don't necessarily sing that great. <laughs> and so I have this list. And, and she encouraged me not to share the list of anyone in the Christian, contemporary Christian music industry because you guys might know them. And so that's good. So that, that, we'll, we'll stay off of that. But like some oldies but goodies, like Neil Young, you know, just, there's something about Neil Young with that harmonica and some of his campfire songs that just, you know, kind of touches me here. And then Bob Dylan. Now, I, I'm not like the expert Bob Dylan. He's had, he has a catalog that's 60 years old and so don't start asking me if I like this song or that song but early Bob Dylan man that stuff from the 60s it just kind of stirs me man it stirs me up and it's it's just it's just good stuff well we were on a long drive not that long ago and it was my turn to choose the music because that's one of the things like when you drive you get to choose the music Um, nowadays you know we're trying to decide who has to drive 17, 18 years ago when the kids were toddlers, we were fighting on who gets to drive. Because back then when your kids are little, whoever gets to drive not only controls the music, but they don't have to, you know, mess with the bottles and the the little toys and all that. I I wasn't the best, like, toddler dad. You know, hopefully I was a good teenager dad. That's up for debate or whatever. So it was my turn for the long drive when I had me some Bob Dylan on. And, and Beth just shook her head, and I said, what? And she just said, I don't get it. I don't get it. So that's one, of, that's one of my problems, and, you know, hey, the Lord has helped us work through it all. But here's the deal. It's more than just, like, I wouldn't pick Bob Dylan either to, you know, sing an opera or, you know, sing the national anthem before, before some kind of dignified event. But, man, there's just something about it. Man, I like his work. You know, I, I, I like I like. I like uh, the work that he shows. You know, Jesus, if he, if he was a singer, how many know he would be the perfect singer? I mean, he just would, right? Because Jesus is perfect. I got to get some theological establishment. Jesus is perfect. But there are some people, you know, who criticize Jesus unjustly and incorrectly. And there are great, logical uh, reasonable defenses of our faith that we should know and we should look at. But sometimes you have to just say, hey, Jesus, I like his work. And, and it's subjective because it's like what he's done for me. And it's about Jesus and his interaction with my story. It's about who Jesus is to me. I'm into his work. And that's why the Psalms are so important. It's these They're ancient songs that are still alive in our hearts today. And we know that music comes from the heart, not just from the brain. 
That's why Psalms is so important because the book of Psalms lets us know how God's people have loved the Lord through the centuries. And as I've told you before, it's powerful, powerful to know that like Psalms 107, it's the same prayer that Jesus prayed. So when we pray the Psalms, we're praying the, literally the same words that Jesus prayed. It's incredible. So when I tell you I like Jesus' work, I'm going to categorize that in the four things today. Here's the first, first way I'm going to categorize it. I like the fact that I've been delivered. I've been delivered. And now we go to today's text, Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. <laughs> Isn't that great? He's my favorite singer. I like his work. His stuff has worked out for me. I just, I want to give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Verse two, let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe. Let those proclaim he's redeemed him from the enemy. There's something about the song of God's people that has power over darkness. That's why when we come together, we're not just singing songs we like, and we're not just singing lyrics that are good. We're singing a story. And I think about you guys. Every once in a while, I, you know, I glance over my left shoulder when I'm sitting down here to your right just to kind of get the vibe of what's happening. And it's incredible to know that when you're in community with people, that your stories, like you're, you're singing something, but you're not just singing a song. It's not like you're at a you're just at a choir practice or something. You're singing a story. You're, you're singing about a specific God who did very particular things in your life. And that's the power behind a song. And that's why even songs like the older songs, you know, I know that they've been criticized like, oh, it's only sent sentiment. It's only like sentimental emotion to sing an old song. Well, it's more than sentimental emotion. It's the collection of stories behind a song. And so God gives churches even songs for certain eras of that church. So one of the songs that Aubrey and Jen wrote that we sing, we've sung a lot the last few months is, is um, I don't know what they actually titled the songs, but it said, I'm going to trade my sufferings uh, for an ocean of joy. And they wrote that in the middle at the beginning of the pandemic. And so when I hear that song 30 years from now, Hopefully, I'll hear it on the radio so you guys are getting lots of royalties. So, you know, I don't know where we are on that, but that would be great. So, hope when I hear that 30 years from now, and hopefully they'll get some money from it, but I, I will think about 2020 and 2021. We're going we're gonna to trade our sufferings for an ocean of joy. See, that's the power. There is a story behind the song. And so when it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, um, we, we are people who were lost. We were people who were outside the family. We were people chained by the power of sin. We were people without hope. And then Jesus changed everything. So the passion about our relationship with God changes the atmosphere of a service. It does. How passionate you are about the story of God in your life changes what God does among us as a people. Ephesians chapter 2, 
starting with verse one. This is a rich passage that reminds you of what God did for us. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the rulers of the power of the air, the spirit now working in disobedient, the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under his wrath. I talked about wrath last week as the others were also. Don't get too excited about wrath because the mercy is greater. Looking out, verse four. But God who is rich in mercy. I mean, we only know of his wrath, as I said last week, so we can know the richness of his mercy. Like he's rich. He's like a multi-billionaire of mercy. Like he can just give out mercy so much he's never going to miss it. He's like, I've got mercy that's just ready to give out generously and abundantly because I'm not going to run out of mercy. That's who God is. God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, love with, with which he loved us made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. Now guys, I want you to understand that and I want you to know that story and I want you to bring that story into the sanctuary. I want you to bring this story into the community. I know some of you are watching online. I want you to bring that story when we gather together because we're not just people here to be inspired by music and to receive information in a sermon. We're people who are living out a story. And when we, when we sing about that story and when we hear sermons about that story, like something happens in our community. And so you make a difference. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Aubrey and myself, Aubrey mostly leads worship and I mostly preach and we have other people who do both. But I know this, I've been working with him years. We're going to bring it. We're going to bring our best no matter who's here or what's going on. And, and that's been proved. We, we, one of the best services we had in 2020 was a Thursday night service with 13 people here. And, and I, I preached with everything I had and he led worship with everything he had and it was powerful. But I want to tell you this is that Depending on who is here and where they are with the relationship with the Lord makes a difference in how good our services are. I, I am serious about that. I'm serious. So like you don't realize how your relationship with God during the week impacts the service on Sunday. Or your attitude that morning, you may have had a great week and then your attitude stinks on Sunday morning and you just bring strife and all that stuff in here and and keep coming. I'm not saying don't come. I'm just saying that come and get it right. But I'm saying when you have it right, as you come, you make a difference in the service. So sometimes our 9 a.m. service, you guys are just sleepy and not into it. And then 1045 rocks. Sometimes 9 a.m. is like, whoa, that was awesome. I can't wait till the next service. And it's a totally different service because the 1045 service or, you know, they got their head in the football game or whatever. I mean, it it just makes a difference. Like you bring a difference. So what do you bring? You bring a story. You bring a a passion for God. And so do we live as delivered people or defeated people? Because when I read that scripture in Ephesians chapter two, it said, you used to be that way. 
You used to be under the spirit of the power of the heirs. You used to follow the inclinations of your flesh, but you don't do that anymore because you're part of God's delivered people. And I want you to hear this today that a lot of times because we understand what grace is, we've come to accept the defeated Christian life because we know it's all gonna be good in the end. Well, while that might be true, that's still not the will of God for you. The will of God is for you to pursue righteousness and holiness. And when you live a, a life that that's, doesn't give attention to God and isn't concerned about personal holiness and isn't concerned about uh, purity before the Lord, you don't just impact yourself, you impact this church. If you pursued God more, we would be closer to God more. Me? and every single person who knows the Lord in this room. Your relationship with God brings something. I say that to encourage you, not to discourage you. We are delivered people. Faith is not just a mechanism to cope with who you are today. Faith is connection with a deliverer to make you someone that you haven't seen yet. (laughs) A lot of us are trying to determine how much sin that we can live with and still make it into heaven. The premise of that question is wrong. You don't even understand salvation if you live that way. God is calling us to a life of wonder, a life of adventure, a life of excitement. Why? Because we're walking in the deliverance of God. The deliverance of God is not just a positional heavenly thing. Like we've been delivered, so we're going to heaven. That's a baseline. The deliverance of God means that as we walk with God, We live in victory over addictions. We live in victory over perpetual sin. We live in victory over uh, what has been called generational curses. We don't accept the negative things that have come through our family line. And we change things with our family. We change things with us as an individual. This is the call that God has for us. And so God is saying, "I, I have deliverance people And so when we sing songs and we come into this place, we come not as people accepting defeat, but people walking in the deliverance of God. See, God chose you to be here. And when you you begin to believe that, it starts affecting the way that you operate within the community. One of the things I love about being in Middle Tennessee is that all of the people that are moving here and all of the people who have come from different places and that's a very jarring to change locations geographically is, is very jarring. A lot of times we're pursuing a dream or we're pursuing a job or we're running away from something or, or we're just following an interest. And, and all of our motivations are very, are very diverse and very different. But I'm going to tell you what we all have in common is there's a sovereign God who has you here now. And he has you here at a place right now. And I want you to understand, here's, I'm going to give you a very deep theological statement. Are you ready? You, you got your seatbelt on? You ready for this? Wherever you are is where God wants you to be. Okay? Wherever you are now is where God wants you to be now. Uh, I, I met a young couple who, who they were connected with the military. They were moving around a lot, and, and, even, and they were here in this church, and I met them. They said, we love the church, but we're only going to be here six months. And I know our husband's going to be re- relocated. And so we're just going to kind of come here and just kind of hang out. And I said, don't do that. She said, what do you mean? I'm like, jump in. You got six months. Go to small group. Get to know people. And, and, and she did. 
She went to women's Bible studies. They went to 242, six months. They were able to really connect with people in this church. And I can still see through social media that they're still connected. I mean, think about that. You could, you, you've probably been to some kind of trip where in four or five days you've made a lifelong friend. Why do we not think that if we're going to be in a city for two or three years, we can't make lifelong friends? Or if we're going to be somewhere for a summer, we can't make lifelong friends. See, God has placed you somewhere. And that's why my second point today is established. God established us. Look at verse three of Psalm 107. And he gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. God gathered them. It's referring here to two different things that have happened historically. One of them was about 500 years before Jesus um, came to the world um, in 538 B.C., It's when God brought back the Jewish captives in Babylon and he brought them back to Israel over a long period of time. But the year 538 BC is when Cyrus, who was a king of Persia, said all the Jews can go back to Israel. And then more recently in the 18th century, the 19th century, in the 20th century, the nation of Israel has been established specifically in the year 1948. And we've seen the Jews come from the north, south, east, and the west back to Jerusalem. And that's one of the, the most remarkable stories of history that we just, it's just kind of happening as we're, you know, walking our dog and, you know, living our lives out. So we don't really see what's happening, but that, that's an amazing occurrence in history that hundreds of years from now, um, people will be talking about still. And so this is a nod to that, a prophetic voice to that. In verse three, I'll read it. You can read it again now that I gave you some context. And I gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west, the north and the south. Now, let me ask you this question. If God had this master plan to allow his people to go to Babylon from from modern-day Israel to modern-day Iraq, then bring them back, then disperse them again after Jesus after Jesus ascended into heaven, after the, the Romans took over Jerusalem in A.D. 70, and now you know, Jews are all over the world, and now he's been calling them back in, in amazing occurrences of history, back to Jerusalem. If he did that for this people group that is a complication we can't even imagine, then why in the world do we not think that God cares if we move from Hendersonville to, to, to Murfreesboro? I am amazed at how many people just move and take jobs without consulting the Lord. Now, the cool thing about it is God's sovereign, so it's hard for you to really mess up your life if you're, if you're like walking in holiness and spending time with the Lord. But it's amazing to me how many people like don't really include God in geographical changes and geographical locations. You see, God establishes us because God works in the area of place. God works in settings. God works in location. These, these kind of environments, the, the places where he establishes us, are not disconnected to who we are as people. His story in our life is unfolding in these neighborhoods, in these suburbs, in these regional areas, these places where we're called. And God is there. And, and I just know some of you watching, some of you listening have just like shut God off from those types of, of decisions in your life. And I want to encourage you to let God establish you. The last couple of weeks, we've, um, we've 
last probably six weeks we've been offering communion here at the front of the church or you can take it at your seats and I'll tell you more and this is something that is 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 a wonderful occurrence that has happened twice in the last three weeks someone has followed up with me during the week and said when I took communion I was healed of a physical sickness at a CIL church service See, we believe through the symbolic bread and cup, there's a real presence of God. We believe that when we consecrate these elements, there's a real presence of God. And so you're partaking of Jesus. You're partaking the bread and the cup. And powerful things happen in your life. You align with the presence of the Lord. You align with the kingdom of God. You align with the purposes of God. But we also know that healing occurs when there's an encounter with the presence of the Lord. And and I want you to be encouraged today because though we have major health care issues in our country and that's a discussion for another day on the larger scope of things we do have access to health care unlike most of the world I know maybe you know we're not as good as one of the northern European countries or something like that with like three or four million people we have 350 million people so it's hard to compare but we do have access. And I will say this, is that as a pastor for the last uh, 17 years, I've never known a person in Sumner County that has been turned away from one of our hospitals. I'm just giving you a fact. That's a fact. I've never known someone without insurance who's been turned away from one of our hospitals. We have access to health care, and we need to improve the access. Definitely we need to, and I'm passionate about that. I'm part of the Salvis Center that offers faith-based medical uh, care for the uninsured. Um, and I'm, I happen to be the um, chairman of the board for that organization. So I'm passionate about this subject. A lot of you are in the medical field, and I respect you for that. The amount of discipline it takes to, to get your license to, as, a, as a nurse or a doctor is, is staggering. Is staggering. It really is amazing, and especially these last, this last, these last twelve months, the the assumed risk is admirable. I say all of that to say, because we live in that world of healthcare access, sometimes we we forget that Jesus is our divine healer. He heals through doctors and he heals through medicine, but he also heals by his word, and he heals. When things don't fall into the categories that we, we have medically. So my third word is the reason I like the work of Jesus is I've been healed. I've been healed. Look at verse 17. Fools suffer affliction because of their rebellious ways and their iniquities. I mean, that's been me before. How many know that? Again, we like that. Yeah, fools suffer. Because of their rebellious ways and their iniquities. We like that sermon, don't we? Until we've been a fool. And that, that's a strong language that the psalm is using. The, psalm, the psalmist, they understood the Proverbs. A fool, someone who is just really dumb, suffers because of the rebellious ways and their iniquities. And then going on, verse 18, they loathed all food and they came near the gates of death. But look at verse 19. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble... And this is what I love about our God. And he saved them. Not because they were disciplined or moral or not because he just dispenses his blessing in a cause and an effect way. 
It's when people are foolish and when they're fools, when Aaron has been a fool. And I cried out to the Lord. He saved me from my distress. Now here's a powerful verse, verse 20. I want you to mark this in your Bible. Write it down. You know, do whatever you can to remember this verse. Because it, 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 it's one that's part of our language, but we forget sometimes. He sent his word and healed them and rescued them from the pit. He sent his word and healed, healed them. Ultimately, his word is Jesus. Jesus is the word and the word is God. And scripture is, scripture is, is always about Jesus. So the word is Jesus. And this is, this is the work of Jesus. We see in Matthew chapter 8. Starting with verse 14, it says, Jesus went into Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her. And then she got up and began to serve him. And when evening came, he brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he drove out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were sick. And so that that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. Hey, this is what Jesus does. So when we, when we take all of Jesus through communion and say, Jesus, I'm taking all of you. I'm eating this bread. I'm drinking this cup, believing your presence is in the elements. Don't be surprised if you are healed of a disease. Don't be surprised if you are healed of a sickness because that's what Jesus does. When Jesus shows up, sickness tends to leave. This, this is a portion of the gospel that proclaims our eternity. We have a portion of healing on earth at different times and different settings and different places that declares our full health in heaven. We know this logically. That We know that it's appointed for every man to die once and then to face judgment. We're not scared of that because we're going to be under grace. And we know that Every human being has died, maybe with the exception of two who that'll happen to them in Revelation. That's a, that's a subject for another day. But the scripture says every, every man will die. So we, we know that we're, we're not all going to be free of sickness and free of illness. But as Jesus' people, we should experience more of his healing more frequently because his healing is not, not about preserving our immortality on this earth. His healing is to remind us of what is coming in the days to come. When we're with him in a place where there is no illness, sickness, crying, death, disease. This is our destiny and heaven comes to earth. The, the kingdom of God's here, but it's not fully here yet. But when we receive healing, we say, oh, there's coming a day when no one will get sick. There's coming a day where there will be no genetic disorders. There's coming a day where there will be no accidents that cause people pain. And our heart longs for that day. And then when we do lose someone we love, which is never easy, and I don't want to belittle that at all. But we have hope. We don't grieve like those who are hopeless because that's the power of God for healing. And so that's what he's invited us to do. You know, in the first 15 years of my ministry, I, I did quite a bit of counseling. I don't do as much now. 
as I used to, um, but I had kind of a knack for it. I wasn't trained for it, but, but I was pretty good at it. So when you're pretty good at something, then someone recommends you and someone else comes and that, that whole thing. So when you're pretty good at something, you don't think you need it. So I'm like, man, I'm the guy who's been counseling people since, I'm, since I was 20 years old or whatever it was. I don't need counseling. So roughly 10 years ago, I came to a point in my life where I, I needed some help. And one of the most difficult calls I've ever made was calling uh, a counselor. Someone gave me their number. But it's one of the best calls I ever made. And that changed my life. It changed my marriage. It changed my parenting. It changed my ministry. And so now I, I'm an enthusiast for that. And I can't tell you how, how many how many people that I've sent to counselors, leaders in this community, uh, people in this church, and then tons of pastors, man. I've just, you know, I've just have, have recommended a lot of pastors and, and a few times our church, part of our budget here um, in your giving, we, we pay for pastors to go get counseling who, who don't want their church to know they're going through counseling or, or, and don't have the funds. And so you, you've been part of that too. So, so that's been a big, huge part of my ministry for about 10 years. I mean, I'm, I'm paying the, my referrals are paying the light bills for a couple of counselors in this area, you know? Uh, so I say all of that to know that, to say this, is that I'm an enthusiast for Christian counseling because of what it did for me. Because when something does something for you, then you want to share it. Like, why would I want to keep this information? Like here, I, I went through all these years thinking I was a counselor and thinking because I was, had a knack for it that I didn't need, need to receive it. And then when I finally received it, it changed my life. So let me tell you about it. Let me give you a number. Let me help pay for that if you're not willing to try it. So, so th- this, is, this is what you do when something has touched you. You're an enthusiast for it. And here's my last point today is passion. I believe in Jesus because I'm passionate I'm passionate with my response. He's delivered me. He's healed me. He's established me. Because of all these things, I'm passionate for him. Psalms 107, starting with verse 21. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them offer thanksgiving sacrifices. Now look at this. And announce his work with shouts of joy. Announce his work with shouts of joy. This is not some kind of conjured up thing like, like I could conjure up the crowd. Hey, let's shout to the Lord. Come on. Shout to the Lord in this section. Shout in the Lord in this section. Come on. Let's get the shout. I mean, that's, that's one way to get people to shout. Or people can have this story of what Jesus has done for them. He's delivered them. He's established them. He's healed them. And when Aubrey and Jen lead us in songs of all the earth will shout his praise. Our hearts resound. That's not the words, but it would have been the good words if I would have wrote it. This voice will raise, great is the Lord. And all of a sudden, that song is coming from within you, and it's a story, and it's just like, wow, the redeemed of the Lord are declaring who the Lord is. We're not aligning with the worship style. We're not CIL worship fans. 
all right? I'm, I'm a, you know, let's get a CIL worship t-shirt, uh, hashtag CIL worship. It's not that we're aligning with the song and artist. We're not align, aligning with the style. We have a reflection of God's glory. We're singing out a song because that song is a story that comes from our hearts. So let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love. Verse 22, let them offer thanksgiving sacrifices and announce his works. So like I said, hey, you need to go to a counselor because it's really changed my life. That, that's a small story. Or like, hey, you really need to know who Jesus is because he delivered me, he established me, he healed me, and now I'm announcing him out of my passion for who he is with shouts of joy. And so I want in this season of Lent, this season of grounding, we are grounded in the work of the Lord. I forgot to tell you the title of this message. We are grounded in the work of the Lord, grounded in his deliverance, grounded in his healing, grounded in his establishment. We're people that are established because of who he is. I want to talk to you about communion today. Guys, we, we've been on this little journey on communion, trying to see when we're ready as we're adapting to the pandemic. So we started off with those little uh, plastic cups, and they're still available to you. They're individual cups that no one else touches. You can peel them. Then we started giving out communion here at the front, and we started off, me and Chip had gloves on. It was really strange. It was like, a, um, it was like giving out the... The, Lord at a, the Lord's supper at a surgery table or something, you know, it just, it just, so that helped us get confidence. And then the last couple of weeks, we had just our mask, you know, in, in our hands that, that we washed right before we went there. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll use our mask again today. But a chip was gone last week. And so I had Beth help me serve communion. And we came up here and we, she's usually working with a tech team back there. So we came up here and um, I said, I'm going to dispense the bread and you do the cup. She's like, is there anything I need to know? I'm like, no, just do this. Just do what we do. So people are lining up and we're serving communion and we're two thirds of the way through in the 1045 service. And I just kind of glanced to my right. And one of the biggest shocks of my life ever, instead of giving out the little um, individual cups, she had the common cup, the common chalice out. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I've given communion. I'm like, we don't do that. She went, oops. And so, um, you know, sometimes as Sarah said, Beth just ripped the bandaid off that whole thing. I have a, a, a friend of mine who's an Anglican priest and he put something kind of prickly on Facebook last night. Um, they have to submit to what their bishop says. And he said, he typed something like, I can't believe the bishop won't let us use the common chalice. Isn't Christ's blood more powerful than any disease? And I thought, well, hey, Bishop Beth said it was okay. She just grabbed the cup and offered. So we just moved right back by that. So what we're going to do today is you can take communion as an individual. As you come down here, Pastor Chip will offer you the bread. And then I'm going to offer uh, the common cup for, for intention if you want to take the bread and dip it in there like a lot of people did at 1045 service and then Beth will have the individual cups, the smaller cups so you can either choose intention or you can choose to take the smaller cup and we'll just offer both of those to you guys 
Um, let's pray together. Father, we dedicate these elements to you. I, I just praise your name for the, for the two healings that have occurred that I know of. And I know more healings have occurred. More healings that I'm not even aware of have occurred. So I thank you. Lord, I pray that you would do your work. We consecrate these gifts that you've given us, your body and your blood, believing that your presence is in this act of worship. Lord, we pray, Lord, that your presence would move among your people. We pray, God, that, Lord, you would do your full work and that the people of God would be blessed. Lord, we confess our sins to you. And Lord, we turn our hearts towards you this day. And God, we love you. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of confession. If you want to look on the screen, that prayer of confession is available. You can join me. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all of the world.